Welcome to your Active Stack Brief podcast. My name is Luca Bertuzzi, your technology editor. This week, we take a closer look at the challenges facing internet governance. For an overview on all things technology-related in the EU, sign up to our free newsletter, visit the website youractive.com. This is your Active Stack Brief podcast. Today, I'm joined by Goran Marby, CEO of ICANN. Hello, Goran. Hi, Luca. Nice to be here. And thank you for joining us. Um, So the internet governance is a more and more politicized uh, subject. Could you give us an overview of how the internet actually works and what is ICANN's role uh, in this? The first thing you have to do is to define what we actually talk about when we talk about the internet. In the ICANN world and in our in the ecosystem where ICANN exists, we talk about something that's quite, you know, quite technical that you might not think about. It's what we call the IP addresses, the domain names, and the IP protocols. And when we talk about the internet, uh, we talk about something that utilizes those three things. Many of the things that you talk about, you sort of mentioned in the questions, is actually not on the internet. That often happens on platforms on top of the internet, um, the, the social media platforms, the content platforms, et cetera, et cetera. And many of the discussions today are actually much more about what happens on platform than what we see as the internet. On the internet itself, I can, together with our technical partner, provide you with those three things. Uh, these three things that makes what is it now? Five billion users around the world to connect on one common interoperable uh, system, which we call the internet. So ICANN's role is very technical in that sense to provide that, and we see we do that out of a public interest perspective. Indeed, um, what the internet governance uh, relates to is to this backbone of the internet, uh, as it uh, sometimes called. Um, but when we look at the challenges of of the internet architecture, um, what are we looking at? In particular, there have been several attempts to change um, the way the internet operates right now, which is based on a multi-stakeholder uh, dispersed uh, model. I, it's a very good question. Again, I think that one of the underlying sort of problems we see in this discussion is that people, first of all, don't do the sort of differences between the internet and, and what happens on top of the internet, the uh, on, on platforms and in other places, which means that sometimes when, when they talk about problems on the internet, they, they sort of come to ICANN or the numbers community or the standardization community and, and, and say, well, why don't you fix this problem? <clears throat> and we spend a lot of time talking about the the, the importance of making sure that when you do legislations and regulations or even standardizations that you keep the interoperability of the internet itself uh, so they can continue to be what it is. We, so you, you see in many in the, in the political debates today, they, they see an increased regulation of the internet, but that's not really the internet that we are talking about. It's more content driven than us. Yes, indeed. Um, a lot of the regulation that we see um, right now relates more to the content, so uh, the platforms and the websites that are hosted on the internet. Uh, but when we talk about the um, 
threats to the internet architecture and the in a current setup. Uh, are there attempts to to change the way um, the internet operates right now? We, we call that a sort of spillover effect sometimes. When, when we see proposals for legislations uh, which would have an effect on the interoperability of the internet, where the target is to go after a content. Um, I mean, and, and the European Commission, I wouldn't say the European Union, but the European Commission has been very active in that area where they propose, for instance, the... They wanted to regulate how the root service works or uh, how the actual infrastructure works under the assumption that then you could do something about content. And as if you listen to this podcast, you know there's a difference in that. So that is it's a, so the sort of misunderstandings how the Internet actually works is one of, of the challenges that we work on all the time. Um, I mean, we have seen legislative proposals that actually could in the end just disconnect people from the Internet. Yeah, and that could be, uh, as you say, part of a misunderstanding, but also part of um, an intentional political plan. Uh, during the war in Ukraine, for example, there were talks that Moscow could disconnect from the global internet, whether that is um, realistic or not. It's interesting to know that also Kiev uh, went directly to ICANN and, and asked, exactly for that, to, to disconnect Russia from the global internet. So this is, of course, also a matter of control, who is able to disconnect who. Um, but how serious is the risk of this fragmentation of the internet or splinternet, as it's some, um, sometimes called, due to the ongoing geopolitical tensions? I, I would say it's always a risk uh for things to to uh to work less well than they do today um if i you know, if you want to comment on on the ukraine letter we received um and the the, the well, one of the questions i got back is why could you how could you answer that serious letter that quickly and the unfortunate answer is that we get those requests not often but now and then because the ukrainian conflict is not the only conflict or war in the world um and our, not even if we w could do what they asked for, we would do it because we have this belief that by having more people connected on, the, on what we, we define as the internet, that's a positive thing. Technically, we can't do it either, what they asked for. So it's, uh, you know, we, we, we try to explain that in the letter. I mean, today, there is no splinternet on the uh, on, on, on this layer that we're active. Um, everybody's using the same. Um, the same so protocol parameters, the same identifiers uh, to be able to connect to the interoperable internet. Um, and and the, 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 what many people don't think about is that if you will build an alternative to this, you won't be able to access, you can't blend it. You can't have an alternative internet that works in the same way as the way that we provide to get our ecosystems from a public interest perspective, the internet, because you can't blend them. So today there is no real, uh, there is no, no, on the technical side, I don't see the risk. But what I do see it already is that on the content side, uh, on, 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 in regions and other places where uh, there are governments who would like to control more of what happens on the information side, as I said. So we may, again, we make this difference between the technical infrastructure that provides the internet and the content side. So I, there is no real splinter today. 
uh, it's my message. But there's always a risk it will be uh, if someone wants to build an alternative internet, or what we would call the alternative domain name systems. So, and when you refer to um, divisions on the content side of things, um, I, I understand you're talking about the uh, great firewall that we see in China, for example. So, if uh, governments can find, although sophisticated ways to sort of shield information uh, from, from the outside world, um, what is the interest in trying uh, from time to time also to set up a parallel or a, or a separate internet infrastructure? There are many ways to approach this question. Um, let's go back to what I tried to say before, is that one of, one of the reasons why you, can, you have this interoperable internet is that everybody uses the same parameters, but everybody can also choose it's a voluntary system, really. Everybody volunteers to use this internet that ICANN and the ecosystem provides versus something else. And, but if you choose something else, let's say that the country chooses something else. Let's say the country goes offline of the internet and goes and creates its own internet. They will not be able to connect to the rest of the world. So if a country, for instance, is very you know, dependent on exports uh, or imports or trades or anything else, if they create their own internet technically on the side, they can't trade anymore. And, and I always say when you talk about those things that you should, make, you should think about it. You have to be careful about how you word uh, what the differences really are. Of course, there are countries and regions around the world who, who don't want to have a public uh, communication on top of the internet. But there's a difference. What ICANN is not involved in that. That's something that politicians and other ones decide on. ICANN only provides the identifiers to make the internet possible. We don't control what happens on top of the internet. So going back to China, I wanted to ask you um, your thoughts on uh, the Chinese proposals, or shall we say the Chinese vision of the internet. There have been several proposals uh, coming from uh, Chinese uh, telecom companies, especially in the context of ITU. Um, what is uh, ICANN's position to, uh, to these proposals? The IP proposal from, I think, Huawei, or what they call the new IP, first of all, it's technically for an old guy like me, it doesn't sound like IP at all. It's an attempt, uh, it's just, it's another attempt to try to change how the internet's, the, the identifiers on the internet, the protocols and the standardization is working on the internet. I mean, in our world, they could take that to the standardization um, um, standardization forums that already exist, propose that, have it discussed, and if it gets adopted, it gets adopted. The way they do this, the, the, one of the problems with all of this, I have to admit, is the fact that we there are 5.3 billion internet users today that all is using the existing IP protocols. And, and for someone to introduce a new IP protocol which disconnects your users from the rest of the world and the rest of the internet, I think it's a hard sell. If you go, don't go through uh, through organizations like an ITF, uh, that actually you can have a standardization discussion. To think that you can sort of impose this on internet users around the world, I think it's going to be really hard. And yet we see um, 
every couple of years, uh, new proposals emerging uh, within ITU, always coming from Beijing. Um, the latest one being um, this IPv6 uh, plus. Um, do you see an evolution in the Chinese vision of the internet compared to the initial new IP proposal? It's it's hard for me to to sort of comment on on, on individual person. You know, there has always been proposals from different countries and different regions and companies about doing alternatives. Um, and, and and Russia, for instance, thinks that the 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 ICANN model, the multi-stakeholder model, should be transferred for to to under ITU, for instance. That debate has always happened. But we also see a lot of countries come and, and countries coming out in support of the current model, because it's really hard. Which problem are you trying to solve? Which and, and when it comes to the the, the new set, I, mean, I always ask when when I see any proposal from any country, any company, I say, which is the problem you're trying to solve? And many times it's a question about governance. Uh, that they, someone would like to have an increased govern, an increased control over the content of the internet, or actually who gets a domain name, uh, and who can be on the internet itself. And 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 if you believe in the internet as we do, as a positive force, um, we often see that many we have many supporters in that thing, uh, in, in we have many supporters uh, over that opinion. And indeed, many critics of the new IP proposal uh, defined it as a solution in search for a problem. Um, but the question of governance is indeed uh, out there uh, for what concerns the internet architecture. Uh, the, the criticism that um, from from where the Chinese, sometimes Russian, but we have seen also from other countries, um, have started these proposals is that the internet is a very uh, US-centered architecture. So, for instance, you have the majority of uh, root servers hosted in the U.S. ICANN itself was um, under um, the U.S. Department of Commerce until a few years ago. So, can you tell us um, how would you react to this uh, criticism? That is actually quite wrong. I mean, we just held an ICANN public meeting in The Hague, uh, hosted by the Dutch government, with um, which with are participants from over a hundred countries, um, and the next meeting is coming up in a couple of weeks, where we have a meeting in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. Uh, I can staff works out of think in thirty two countries today, and we have offices around the world. Um, and I always ask the question: Okay, tell me how the ICANN model is US centric. We're not even undemocratic. I mean, the ICANN community multi stakeholder model is is a very it's a very democratic organization. Um, we, we, by giving voice to people all around the world uh, to be participating in the governance discussion, I think we've been able to solve problems that the world has never, you know, we have solved problems the world has never seen before. You're right that the, the, there was a contractual link between the US and ICANN, and that ended in 2016. But more importantly, I mean, in, in Europe, the European telcos carry internet traffic. I mean, the, the European service providers like Spotify, Booking.com and Zalando provide content carried over the internet. Europe is the home of technology companies like Nokia and Ericsson that sell hardware to carry internet traffic. 
I mean, Europe also hosts hundreds of root servers and 10,000 of DNS resolvers. I mean, to argue that the US controls the internet is like deliberately false narrative to underpin misguided policies like the DNS for EU, sorry to say that. If the US were to shut down access to the root servers, Europe could continue already today uh, to run the internet because that's how the internet is designed in the first place. Um, it's interesting what you just said that uh, this is a misconception that is um, at times used to justify uh, policy proposals. And in particular, uh, we have seen a sort of uh, drift between the, the US and the EU uh, due to this um, European digital sovereignty agenda. Do you see a repercussion on the way the internet uh, will continue to operate following uh, the, the new um, EU legislative proposals? So I make a difference between the European Commission sometimes and the EU. Uh, the EU, uh, the European Commission through the EU just signed off uh, a, a paper from the White House with, I think, support of 60-plus countries about the ICANN and the MS model. And then sometimes I see proposals from the European Commission that wants to regulate what ICANN does. And that's, that, that's a different... There's a, there's a disconnect there which we don't really understand. But on the overarching, you know, when it comes to the support of the Internet governance model in the ICANN world, I would say that the majority of the countries of the world are very supportive of that model. Remember that in ICANN, the GAC Advisory Committee in ICANN, we have 160-plus country members as well. And yet we see also from time to time uh, initiatives such as um, this uh, Alliance for the Future of the Internet in the U.S. Uh, that sort of call for uh, a coalition of countries to defend the Internet, but... As you just said, the internet is based on multi-stakeholder process. So is it one of the main challenges that you have to explain to governments every time, also when there is a change in the administration, for example, how the internet works and, and how they could, uh, even if they don't want to, affect uh, its functioning? First of all, ICANN, as a public interest organization, should be scrutinized. We should be asked hard questions, and we should always be work towards be transparent, uh, open, and accountable for the decisions that I can through its multi-stakeholder model does. So, the the some some yes some of the questions we get we do get surprised uh, that we get them from from from. But on the other hand, it's it's everybody's right to ask those questions, and that's why. Anyone can walk into an ICANN meeting when we have it, either virtually or through uh, physically when we have them, and ask the questions directly to ICANN. Uh, it's parliament through what I call the parliament through the ICANN multi-stakeholder model, the community that really sets the policies. Um, so we should always be scrutinized, and people should always ask if there are better alternatives to do the internet that we do today. Otherwise, we will stagnate, and we shouldn't do that. Take an example, one of the biggest challenges we have today is to make sure that we broaden the usage of the Internet itself by making sure that people who doesn't use Latin script to read from left to right uh, can easily access Internet using their own keyboard, their own language, their own social narrative, which is one of the big challenges 
uh, that we have in front of us um, to 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 re to make sure that the next billion users could go online. Um, and that that's the the that's one of the it's it's a big challenge we have in front of us. We also need people from all over the world to make to make that happen. Um, so it's not like the internet is done. Uh, I think we are started. Goran Marby is the CEO of ICANN. Thank you, Goran. Thank you very much for inviting me. That's all we got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up to our free Tech Brief newsletter to stay on top of tech news and digital policy development in the EU and beyond. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast published on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Amazon Music. This episode was produced with the technical help of Evie Chiori. I'm Mirluca Bertuzzi and thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.